We're the Flyover Yogis, a group of Midwest friends sharing practical, everyday approaches to yoga, wellness, lifestyle, and everything in between as we live through them ourselves, yoga on and off the mat. We are Lindsay, Gina, Jordan, and Megan. We work to create authenticity in everything we do. And we're sharing our experiences with others to inspire mindful living, no matter your home state. Welcome to the Flyover Yogis. Today we are starting off our Doc Talk series uh, where we'll be watching different documentaries based on mindful living, yoga, uh, healthy lifestyle, things of that nature. And we started off with the documentary called Minimalism. Minimalism appeals to all of us on very different levels for different reasons. Um, So many different aspects of all of us. Uh, have different ways that we're implementing minimalism into our lives. So we started with the documentary Minimalism. It is by, I'm going to forget their names now, but Ryan Nicodemus and Joshua something Rayburn, something like that. Yeah, something like that. We should probably like fact check that, but look them up. They're called the Minimalists um, on Instagram, stuff like that. They're very cool. And then also Colin Wright is um, in the movie as well. So if you're a fan of his, which I am, you will recognize him. So we decided to start off with this documentary um, because it is related to the Yama Aparigraha, uh, which is non-excess, uh, non-attachment, um, having the idea of not being attached to having too many possessions. And it also goes into both physical possessions as well as um, non-tangible ones as well. So lots of interesting stuff that we're going to get into today. Um, So how do we want to get started? Who, What did someone do today that uh, reinforced their minimalist tendencies? Quick interruption. It is Joshua Fields Milburn. That's it. Milburn. I was close. Good job, Jordan. Yeah. I got the hard one, though. So what's up, Ryan and Josh? (laughs) Maybe, if you're listening. Okay. So, okay. Continue. (laughs) Yeah. So something I've been doing today, actually, um, but just in general, is I have refused to use a plastic straw when Bryce and I go out to eat, um, which is pretty rare, but when we do... Or if I'm just, like, picking up an iced tea, which I do regularly. Sweet tea is disgusting, but we're still friends. Don't worry. Um, But I've, like, refused to get a straw because a couple of friends have pointed out, I think it might have even been you, Jordan, that they don't recycle the straws because they're so tiny. And then I've seen a lot of the videos, which just tug at my heartstrings. Aesthetic videos just, they get me, y'all. Of, like, the sea turtles that have, like, the straws stuck in their nose. And I've seen... I have been very drawn to the ocean from a very, very young age, which is hilarious because we live in the Midwest. (laughs) Um, But to see, you know, our coral reefs dying and to also see the efforts that we're putting in to help the coral reefs and to help the animals in the sea and just to help our oceans in general, which I think it's really interesting how we know more about the moon than we do our oceans, but that's a whole other subject. That really tugged at my heartstrings, and I was like, it's as simple as not using a straw, not using this little whatever, eight inch plastic tube to drink my water out of. They wash the cup anyways. It's fine to put my lips to the cup and drink out of it. Yeah. So it's such a small thing. And I think when people think of minimalism, they think of these huge grand gestures and they can be huge grand gestures. And by all means, if you have the ability to do those, do them, you do you, but it's not always those. Sometimes it's just refusing a teeny tiny tube to drink out of. Well, and I like that you brought that up because it's more... Like straws are a really good place to start. Um, of course, this we're getting more into like um, like environmental issues, uh, which we'll definitely do an episode yeah, on. Yeah, which we'll definitely do an episode um, on. But just single use plastics in general, a mm-hmm. really good thing to practice um, not using. Um, but yeah, straws especially. Yeah. Hashtag straws suck. Yeah. Hashtag straws suck. And I think that. I did not come up with that. I cannot take. You yeah. Know, I haven't heard. That I cannot one. take Sorry. credit for that. But, it uh, took me a second. <laughs> yeah. It, was even, it wasn't even until after Megan laughed <laughs> that I was like, "Oh, that was a joke." It was a, that was funny. So, um, I know that we'll release this later, but just so you guys know, I am in the week before the last week of school, and graduation is this week and um for my student for my high school students and it is nuts I think I worked like close to 70 hours this week or something so um I don't get jokes very quickly (laughs) (laughs) okay continue but kind of backpacking off that straw talk um Bryce my husband works 
at an aerospace company and he works kind of in this little box. He has to walk up like the spiral staircase to get to it. And so he takes this reusable cup with this metal straw with him everywhere. And so bringing in the minimalistic aspect of that, he's not constantly buying extra water cups or water bottles or anything else like that. And so it also... There's only three of us. There's just me, Bryce, and Alice. I don't feel the need to have 30 cups in my house. I'm not going to use 30 cups. There's only three of us. And so a good majority of the day, that is the only cup that Bryce uses. And that kind of brings back into the minimalistic thing, where a lot of the times minimalism does go hand in hand with our environment because you are using Absolutely. less. Um, and so that's kind of something that both me and my husband have started to do is just starting with what we drink out of and how we drink it. Well, and um, there's actually a part in the documentary that really resonated with me um, where he was saying that we're all so um, materialistic because Mm -hmm. especially in America, it's like collecting all the things and then buying a bigger house so you can fit all your things in it and like people with all these storage units and all this kind of stuff. But then he said, but then also we're not materialistic enough and that we don't think about the materials and the resources that were that are needing to be used from our planet that's not replenishable mm-hmm. um to create all of these things and um that are often a really bad quality or, yeah um, or yes not reflect- yeah like and so you that's another thing is like you buy things of good quality that come from ethical sourcing um and have just fewer of them because they might be more expensive to start off with too totally but they're gonna save you in the long run mm-hmm. like i found the things that we wait to buy because they are of such high value and they do come from an ethical source and they're fair trade and you know all of these things i'm not having to replenish them as often or like ever you know eventually maybe we will but we're saving time we're saving money and we're saving resources because we are buying these high quality things where you can track back to where they came from and who made them to where that takes the question um out of it and I think that's super important and I think that's a lot of the reason that minimalism is so attractive to me is it's having the quality over the quantity Totally. Um, well, and it was cool revisiting this documentary. I'd watched it, um, oh, maybe like two years ago or something like that. And I had read a book by um, the minimalists, Josh and Ryan. Um, and it was called Everything That Remains. And I don't want to say it was like a life-changing book for me, but it was definitely a life a life pivoting. It was definitely a mindset shift for me and that just becoming more aware of all of the things that I do own and, um, what I spend my money on. Um, another thing in the documentary that really resonated with me, um, was he was saying that people don't have as much control over making more money, but they have control over spending less money. And so when you're more mindful with your purchases with minimalism, because to be a minimalist, you don't have to live in a barren apartment with one chair and one fork and just like all these (laughs) things. Like that's not what minimalism is. Uh, Minimalism is defining what brings you joy and what, brings purpose to your life um, and just getting rid of what doesn't. Um, It's very freeing. um, So it does um, align with that non-attachment feel where uh, it is things that, you know, if, you know, artwork brings you joy, have artwork in your house. If books bring your joy, (laughs) there was another thing he's talking about in the uh, documentary where they were speaking at this event and there was this woman that was coming to him. She's like, oh, I, w- I want to be a minimalist, but I love, love, love my books. I have so many books and I can't get rid of them because I love to share them out with my friends and I and I love to read them over and over and I like to, and I do all these things. I can't re- get rid of my books. And he's like, so don't get rid of your books. Like they obviously yes. bring so much value to your life. That doesn't mean you have to get rid of them. Just mm-hmm. because my minimalistic ways look this way doesn't mean yours have to. And so they do talk about um, justifying your belongings to yourself. You don't need to justify them to anyone else. Of course, that goes into a whole different, uh, like all kinds of areas of your life of justifying to yourself. You don't have to justify it to anyone else. Um, what brings you value? What brings you joy? And um, it's just that practicing that mindful, intentional purpose of why you have these things and why you think you're supposed to have them. And it's such like, 
a mindset thing too. Like you can look at it like two ways, I guess, in a sense of like, um, as a minimalist, it's like, oh, these are all the things I can't have. These are all the things that I take away. These are all the things like, and look at it in that like negative, like can't, like shouldn't, like won't, that sort of thing. Or like, instead, like you look at it like, these are all the things that bring me joy. These are the things that make me happy. These are the things that like, help just like give me life and bring me purpose like that sort of thing so it's like choosing a mindset I guess around it of like you can choose to look at it as like these are what I can't have to be a minimalist quote can't have to be a minimalist or you can look at it in the other mindset I think that's a really important point to bring up um like I've mentioned Bryce and I have a two-year-old daughter and one of the things I hear a lot from parents is our kids are stuck to their tvs they're stuck to the internet you know, all kids want to do is watch TV all day or play on the tablet or the laptop. And when Bryce and I were pregnant, I said, I don't, I don't want to raise Alice in a, in an environment where she values things over experiences. Because I think we're taught sometimes to place certain values in the things that we have or the things that we don't have. And for me, one of the big attractions of being a minimalist and living tiny which currently we don't live tiny um we live in a three-bedroom house but it is on my list by the time I'm 30 and I'm 20 I'm gonna be 25 at the end of the year to live tiny and I fully think that we can do that my husband my daughter and our huge dog I think that's totally (laughs) doable there's people who do it way in way crazier situations but I get asked a lot why would you ever want to live tiny and I don't right now. And people are like, why, why would you want to give up all of this to live tiny? And I, I kind of think of it that way, Megan, of I'm not giving all of this up. I'm just allowing myself to have more time to have the experiences. Your when, energy. Yeah, and my energy. When I'm not worried about dusting my house because what are people going to think if they see dust on my end table? And I'm not having to clean a house that I am never home in then I have more experience to take my daughter to the park or go to the lake with my husband and my kid or, you know, have those life experiences that I'm going to cherish and those around me are going to cherish. And I, and it may be just a, a minimalist, a minimal, what am I trying? Millennial. There we go. There's the word. Minimalist millennial. That was really so, hard to say. <laughs> so many M's, but it might be, they go hand in hand for me, but I feel that being a minimalist for me is exactly that. I'm not giving up the all of these possessions. I'm just allowing myself to have more experiences. Absolutely. There was something that you said that reminded me of the part in the documentary where one of them talks about how we've been accustomed to living this like nine to five, quote unquote, and most of us don't have nine to five jobs, you know, a traditional scheduled job, a Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, our society has it kind of it has the mindset that we should spend money mm-hmm. on the weekends do you mm-hmm. remember that, that part am i making that up no i think i remember that. No. i don't remember that part oh, okay. but that's okay I, <laughs> I was like did i read something else too okay well it's i think re- it's a valid point regardless <laughs> yeah <laughs> wherever it came from um, i already had the disclaimer that i'm ty- a tired teacher this week <laughs> so anyway yeah it went, well it reminds me of it so anyway um We've been conditioned to work our eight-hour days, and um, we've been conditioned to have the weekends off, and really, like, weekends are just days. Like, it's not a different day. It's no more hours, no fewer hours than any other day of the week, but we're conditioned to go out and, like, be free on the weekends, which often leads to spending money, or it's like, well, I'm going to go shopping on the weekend, or I'm going to go do like you know go have this and maybe it's an experience or whatever but a lot of the time it's like out to eat or out to shop or something else party out to party like out to drink and none of those things are bad like you have to do all of them like even if you're living minimally like you you need to go shop for food and clothing like you know at some point the pants that you wear are going to wear out. And even if you're going to Goodwill to buy that, you know what I mean. So Unless anyway, you join a nudist colony. Yeah. <laughs> which means that would be very minimalist <laughs> if you did that. So, um, yeah, I think all of that being said um, is just to have the understanding that we are, as a Western culture, conditioned to spend on the weekend and spend 
after work hours. I mean, that's why the, that's why happy hour exists to go out and have that. And so yeah. I think that it becomes a regular thing and that's something that you spend money on. And you have to think, does this, is this really fulfilling me? Is this really making me happy? And, um, you know, they talk about how they transitioned from that, that it was just one thing after another, that they come from this corporate life and that it was the, you know, well, I have achieved this. And so now I must get this next level of achievement. Like maybe it, um, this out of the apartment and into the X amount of bedroom house and into the good community and we have to have two cars and all of this and so mm-hmm. they talk about their journey from that and that something within them just clicks that it wasn't important and I um, last summer I took ooh how many kids were there 60 70 I don't remember I'm getting the number too wrong many. Um, kids <laughs> to Europe on um, a 17-day excursion. <laughs> I was not the only chaperone, um, but it was uh, it was a paid trip because it was work. And um, dur- when I came back, I was working at the pool uh, that I managed during the summer, and I was looking around, and it's in a very affluent neighborhood in the, um, a suburb of Wichita, and I'm looking at all of these massive houses and all of these people who they work for the weekend, And I thought of myself and I was just like, this is supposed to be the epitome of achievement, this neighborhood. Like, this is one of the wealthiest neighborhoods. Um, I I do not live in this neighborhood. I work. I'm an employee in the neighborhood, (laughs) um, just to say. So um, I'm a teacher. I can't live there. And so um, I'm looking around and all of these people are coming from their, you know, for lack of... um, a better time frame that we all understand is a nine to five job and they come and they golf and they drink and they golf and then they come and they sit at the pool and they drink some more and they repeat that pattern day after day after day and then they come and sit by the pool and drink all day long and maybe golf and you know like um a lot of people like have one working person in the family um and then you know like uh, the other parent takes all the kids to the pool and they sit there and, you know, drink on the side of the pool and watch their kids play and maybe do or don't watch their kids. And it's just like, um, I've worked at in pools for, this is my, my 11th year, so I can very confidently say that for the most part, people don't watch their children out the pools. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, that seeing that and thinking of that pattern made me realize, what is all of this for? Is it for the proof that you have made it as an American? Like that neighborhood, that pool, that golf course was supposed to epitomize this, um, you know, whatever American dream that, you know, uh, is the the traditional one that you think of. The white picket fence, the kids, the family, the house, the cars. The Um, dog. The dog. Yeah, don't forget the dog. And... I just thought to myself, like, I just don't want that. You know, like, I am in no position to even want to purchase a home. Like, I like, I enjoy renting. And, um, you know, like, our families give us a lot of crap about that. Amen. Uh, Yeah, so, like, (laughs) we've talked about that. And so, it's just like, but that's where I'm at. And, like, so what if I don't want that for myself? Because that doesn't fulfill me. So. That was a tangent that I didn't mean to make into a tangent. Well, and I think it's important to point out here that some, for some people, that is something that genuinely they they want, like they do want that. Genuinely fulfills them. Um, However, I think a lot of people that are doing that it doesn't. They think they're doing it because that's what they're supposed supposed to do. It's supposed to make them happy. And they don't think about it. This is all about like, there's no like self-reflection behind Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Think for yourself, reflect on your actions. What is making you happy? Don't just do it because, you know, and that's, that's the whole problem with, um, going back even a step further. The reason that we have such, um, a need for like technical industry jobs because everybody defaults to college university right after school yet how many people drop out or um, have an undeclared major have no idea what they're doing um, end up taking on thousands of dollars of debt just to have no clue and just to be unhappy in their work or you know we're never meant for academia in the first place yet that is that's the push and coming from 
um, a high school teaching standpoint, I'm, I do want to say that that is changing a little bit. Um, but when I was in high school, it was you go to the military or you go to college. There wasn't a push for technical industry jobs. And now there definitely um, has been a change in that. And you know, that's within the last 10 years, but there's still a need. And, you know, that's just one other thing. Like, don't do what you think you're supposed to do because so many of us like are, are not meant for that and there are all types of people that make this country work and there are all types of jobs that are 100% necessary to make this country work to make the world work and so uh, yeah it's all about thinking for yourself it's all about reflecting on what it is that is best for you and also not harmful to others I would say like you know like yeah. if, if being a serial killer is best for you it's not good for other people maybe do some more self-reflection yeah. <laughs> you're not like I'm a minimalist so I'm just gonna kill people off and this this has gone in a direction that I didn't <laughs> want to consider it to no so, I'm actually like actually like you sorry I was gonna like, kind of like take part of that maybe yeah. not the oh, serial no. killer part <laughs> not the serial killer part and we're not going Ted Bundy on this podcast y'all <laughs> not today so in Wichita BTK anyway okay sorry. which we're not proud of just to be yeah. clear not proud of that oh, no, yeah. but it is a fact <laughs> just yeah I'm just saying like that's in case you needed to make a connection have okay this is All right. a side note but does anyone watch Mindhunter yes. on Netflix no. oh, if you have not to start watching yes watch Mind Hunter on Netflix. Is it like not one I should watch before bed though? It's not that bad. It's not because it's not like it doesn't show anything. Um, yeah, but, but is it like it's about it's about AF? the development. No, of it's the not creepy. Anal- the behavioral analyst sort of like oh. um, group of the FBI. Like it's the first time. Like Criminal Minds. Yes, it's, it's exactly. Yes, I it's freaking love similar. Criminal Minds. But it's that the start. It's the shit start of that faction. So. Like they of, create the term yes. serial okay. killer. Yeah, and so he's interviewing all of these serial killers and trying to figure out like what it is that either happened to them or like what happens in their brain that makes them like the catalyst this way. for it. Yeah. Okay, that was super off topic, but you brought it up, so I had to ask. <laughs> Watch it. I'm going to reel us back in. I've got, I haven't lost my train of thought yet. Good job. And I'm like, I'm going to reel us back in. I'm not losing it because I had a really great point. I would have lost okay. it. Okay, go for it. Um, but, like, going back to, like, what, like, everyone thinks, like, what you're supposed to do. Or, like, the people have the white picket fence. Or, like, they have that. And, like, Jordan, I think you had said that, like, oh, it's like, they might not, that might not actually what makes them happy. They, that, hmm, that wasn't real English. That might not be what actually <laughs> makes them happy. But, like, that's what they think is supposed to make them happy. I think a lot of it, too, you see people, they see somebody else who does it. And they're like, oh, that makes them happy, so it should make me happy. But what if that first person was just pretending because they saw somebody else and they're like, oh, that makes them happy, so that should make me happy. Yeah, it's like this vicious cycle. And nobody's actually feeling their feelings. Nobody's actually, like, all the things that are there, like the buy more stuff, the go out for drinks, the um, constant noise, the bigger house, the better job, the working all the time, the just all those different things can be such a form of numbing in a way to where instead of, oh, well, I'm just working hard to like to get these things that'll bring me joy, it's, hey, I'm numbing all like the feelings that it's like, maybe I'm scared about something. Maybe something makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Maybe like I'm upset. Like I'm but I'm just gonna numb those feelings instead, but with the stuff with, with the shopping. With yeah, yeah, with like so many different right. things. And then you see people retail who therapy. See, ha 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 yeah. And you see, like, the I other... Was a sarcastic laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you see the people who, like, and then, like, and so it starts the cycle of, it's like, someone sees it, it's like, well, they found happiness, like, they look happy, like, their Instagram looks perfect. It's like, mm. that that must be what makes them happy. It's like, oh, well, like, they, like, have all these things, or look at them, like, with all their, like, expensive clothes, or, like, their expensive stuff, their massive house, or just... Those sorts of things, and without actually like coming back to that self-reflection, mm-hmm. without actually figuring out what is it that makes me happy, it's like, well, that must be it. So rather than doing any internal work or just like really like reflecting on that, it ta- instead it takes a turn for like, oh, well, I'll just use somebody else's shortcut and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's uncomfortable and vulnerable, but it's definitely choosing not to conform to that cycle and it kind of sucks because it's not easy um and I'm glad you you. (laughs) yeah I'm glad you brought that up because it kind of it's kind of what I was getting at when I said earlier um about how the book wasn't life-changing but it's definitely life-pivoting in my mindset because 
from reading that book and learning like, oh, I don't have to look exactly like someone else's version of minimalism. Um, it gave me the permission to start where I was at and just move from there. Um, cause, uh, they do this one thing. I think it's a 30 day challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, again, we might have to fact check that, but it's basically, they take, um, they box up everything they own in their house Um, so if it's like furniture, they just like cover it with a blanket or something and act like it's not there. And then, um, I want to say for two weeks, you take out what you need. And at the end of the two weeks, if you have not opened it up and used it, you get rid of it. And so that's a really cool idea. I know it is, it is, but it's it's one of the things that they use. Um, and actually I think that's how Ryan first started because Josh started as the minimal moving into the minimalist lifestyle and Ryan was like, Oh, what are you doing? And so then they did this at Ryan's house. And so they covered up his TV, his couch, they uh, boxed up all of his silverware, everything like that. And then, um, so within after two weeks or whatever the date was, um, he got rid of everything that he hadn't used. And so for Ryan, he enjoys watching his television and I love watching my television. So he kept his television. Whereas Josh, doesn't bring value to his life, so he doesn't. So it's like, if you can't, you know, you don't have to get rid of your TV if you're minimalist. Um, and so what's really cool is since I read that book, um, however many years ago, I want to say probably three or four years ago, seeing where I'm at now, since uh, my husband and I actually are going to be living tiny, um, once Yay. our converted, converted school bus is done, it is about 200 square feet. And to most people, that just like especially my family, (laughs) they do not understand. Um, Luckily, we are starting at about um, 800 square feet with our downtown loft right now. Um, So we're a little closer than, say, like whatever the average size house is. I think it's like 2,400 square feet, something like that. Um, So we're a little bit closer. It's the average size house? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. I know. It's crazy. Um. I know to me. I that, say that and then I have no idea how many square feet our house is. Square feet are one of those like things, it's like the internet. I don't know how you figure it out. The only like, reason I know fair. square footage now is because of watching HGTV. I believe that. <laughs> like literally that's I the only that. reason. <laughs> um but yeah, so our place is about eight hundred square feet, but that's still I mean, we're gonna be living into a quarter of that. Woof. At two hundred. So um it is we are getting to that point now where we're gonna have to start getting rid of more of our stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've always said like, oh, I can get rid of stuff, it's really easy. And for the most part that's true. Like I have um a capsule wardrobe and um and for people who don't know what a capsule wardrobe is, it's basically like a, a minimalist wardrobe where you um only have quality pieces and then you um switch them out like that. And actually we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode about project three three three. So hang tight on that. But um yeah, so for the most part I don't feel I have a whole lot of possessions as far as like the typical I don't know, American or whatever. But it's still every time I look around our loft I'm like, okay, <laughs> a lot of this is gonna gotta gotta go (laughs) and that's such an interesting thing for me to think about like I'm gonna go slightly off topic and then I'm coming back to that I swear um pivot but like (laughs) starting like watching the documentary I'm like oh yeah documentary about minimalism and like as I'm watching it as they're like immediately like digging into it and starting I'm just like yeah but yeah but and I found like myself or like whatever part of me, like, whether it's, like, just, like, what's, like, society has trained or just, like, the, like, the ego part of me that is just, like, yeah, but, and, like, and finding those yeah. exceptions and finding those, like, and as a doctor trying to justify everything, yeah, like, I could yeah. never do oh, that completely. because of yeah. this, or, oh, that's really it's crazy. Like, well, it, it's different for me because, mm-hmm. and, like, finding those reasons, and, like, the further it got it's into fear. it, like, yes, it is, that's definitely, and so it's interesting to me to think about, like, downsizing to that and to think about, because I'm, like, currently thinking, it's, like, if I had to take my stuff and, like, I say this with love, squish it into a bus. <laughs> like, I, like, that gives me, like, a little bit of, like, like a panic attack almost. Like, I've got, like, and it makes me, then, and then I feel, like, almost, like, a little bit shitty because I'm, like, I'm so much more attached than I thought I was. But, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, like, I just hear you, like, talking about, like, taking that big step and, like, moving those things. And it's, like, how does, I guess, how, how do you choose? How do you, how do you, or how do you justify what you do keep, not just in, like, a, like, what's important to you, what brings you joy, but, like, what, I just how, 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 just how. I think that brings up a really good point, point. Um, and I'm going to kind of backpack off that a little bit, as to 
so for a while it was just me and my sister and my parents, obviously. It was just the four of us. And my mom and dad had me their senior year of high school. They were teenage parents and they struggled, as you would expect teenage parents to do. And so a lot of my childhood, um, we were like pretty poor to start out with. And then my dad got an amazing job and he worked his way up through this company. And, you know, as you work your way up, you get a salary raise. And so it seemed like every two or three years, I was like, oh, hey, we're doing better. Oh, hey, Kayla and I have more toys. Oh, hey, we have more. And it always seemed like my parents just wanted to give us more. They wanted to give us more than what they had. They wanted to give us more. And so we went from the house I grew up in, which was in the ghetto, it really was looking back, even like driving by it now, I was like, God, how did we live there for so long? Um, but it was this teeny tiny little three bedroom house. And I say three bedroom very sarcastically because the bedrooms were very, very small. And when I was in fifth grade, we moved to the house that I finished my childhood and then high school in. And it was much, much larger. We basically had like what was our house upstairs. And then we have this whole new downstairs and we had two living rooms. We had this huge backyard and it didn't make anybody happier. Like it did and it didn't. My parents wanted this bigger house. It was in a nicer neighborhood. It was much, much nicer neighborhood than that neighborhood we were living in. It was a much, much nicer house than we were. My mom and dad had nicer cars. My sister and I had nicer clothes, nicer things, you know, but I still got depressed as a teenager. I still had OCD. I still had depression. I still had anxiety. And in my mind, I tried to justify it. Like, suck it up, Gina. Your parents have worked their asses off to get here. Like, look how far they've come. And they've done all of this for you and Kayla. Like, I felt like almost I was being ungrateful for it because I did have anxiety and I did have depression. I'm like, you have so much more than what other people have at this point. Like, why can't you just be happy? And so now as an adult, like I've mentioned, I would love to live tiny. It's like something I will do at some point in my life. I do want to live tiny. And my husband's coming around to the idea because he's a little bit more attached to things. He likes video games. He likes his boat. He likes his motorcycle. He likes his dirt bike. He likes his drones. He has more attachments. I like books and yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my things just don't take up as much room. We'll put it that way. And this is something that I've talked to my parents about going tiny and they they don't have much of a reaction. Uh, They kind of, I think more my mom just doesn't understand why because they've worked in my mom's eyes from what I can kind of gather. They've worked, you know, 24 years to get our family to the point it is now. And now my parents own a small house. It's pretty small for the four of them uh, because my parents, my two brothers live there. And then they're getting ready to plant a vineyard, which is my parents' dream. And I see you know, how far they've come from just being these two 18-year-olds with me. Hello. (laughs) And it it is amazing to see this whole transformation. And they've always wanted us to have more and have a better life and have these better things. And yet I have, like, the shittiest car in the family. (laughs) And my mom's always like, buy a new car, Gina. And I'm like, I just don't want to. It runs. I don't care that my Honda has, like, 230,000 miles on it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm going to have to get a new car eventually. But I just don't see the point. And that's something that's very hard I think for some people that I don't care that my car has a huge ding in the side of it. And I I wouldn't care if like my car was 12 different colors because to me, my car isn't something I place value in. It's what gets Mm. me from point A to point B. Other people, they love and cherish their cars. They're like a piece of the family. That's just not how I am. And that's the same with my house. Do I like the house we live in? Of course I love it, but I don't want to buy it. (sighs) That's terrifying. Um, And I want to live tiny And that's something that's really hard versus like my sister who was raised in the exact same environment I was raised in is getting ready to purchase a five bedroom house. And that is like the most terrifying thought in the world to me. It gives me like a literal heartburn. But for her, that like lights a fire underneath her ass and it's super exciting and it's wonderful and it's all that she wants. And I think that there's just there's two different mindsets there. And it took me a really long time to get comfortable with the fact that we weren't exactly alike. You know, and I say that like in a way that I just don't know any other way to put it to where my sister kind of, I don't want to say fits the expectations my parents had for us, but growing up it was always, oh, you're so smart, you're so intelligent, you're going to do so much with your life. And I feel like when my teachers and my parents and my friends would say that, it always meant that I was going to be a doctor, I was going to marry a doctor, and we'd live in some very high-end neighborhood with a $1.5 million house with a pool and two shelties in the backyard. You know, I feel like everyone painted this picture for what they wanted my life to be, and 
that is more of how my sister's life is, but it's not how my life is. And it's not that I settled, it's that I chose the life that I live. And I think that some people, they get very confused, like Jordan said, where there's that kind of judgment of like, why would you ever want to do that when you could have this? And it's that fulfillment thing. I get zero fulfillment out of having a nice car. I've drove really nice cars. They're really fun. And I would get so many tickets. <laughs> I really would. <laughs> but I get zero fulfillment out of having a really nice car that I can walk out of my backyard and into my garage and go, oh, my God, look, there's my baby. I just don't do that. It's just not my thing. And I know for other people it is. And I think that that's exactly great what you all have been talking about is that fulfillment. You just have to find what fulfills you. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do because you have to peel back all the layers to actually see what you want and not what everyone else is telling you to yeah. want. What we've and been so, conditioned to think yeah, we need we've been and want. Conditioned. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so much more conditioned, I guess, than I thought it was. Like, I guess, like, and I have to remind myself, too, like, so me, for example, I'm the opposite in the sense that I have no desire to live tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> None. Just, like, that's just not my jam. But, like, I think it's awesome that, like, I think, like, the schoolie that you guys are working on is awesome. And, like, and it's so fun to watch oh, that thanks. journey. And it's so fun to see, like, that difference. And, like, the fact that, like, Gina, you want to, like, to live tiny. Like, that's, like, a goal you're working towards and everything else. Like, I find that inspiring. And I found that, especially, I'm going to kind of start to connect this to yoga a little bit. I find, especially, like, through, like, yoga, or, like, I guess, like, the yoga mindset of just, like, because we're always saying, like, oh, like, you do you, or, like, you figure out, like, what works for you. Totally. I think yeah. that mindset has really helped me towards, like, Jordan's going to live in a schoolie and travel across the world, and that's awesome. And I could never live in a bus, <laughs> and that's also awesome. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I'm okay yeah. with that. And I, I think okay, that's I think... really important to point out that my sister, who's buying this five-bedroom house, can also live minimalistically in certain oh, yeah. aspects of her life. Like, you don't have to live in a school bus or live in a tiny house or live in a shack, like Jordan said, to be a minimalist. You know, there's, there's different levels, you know, and so it's however far you want to get down into it, however far you want to peel the layers back, however far you want to dig, you know, Jordan's going to live in a school bus and that is amazing. And I'm so stoked for you guys. I'm so (laughs) excited to see it done because we've watched you go through it. If you haven't followed Jordan and Sam, you need to on paging adventures is their Facebook and their Instagram. I'm going to go ahead and shout it out for Jordan because you need to be following them. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, But I think that's a super important point to bring up is that both Megan and Jordan, very different lifestyles, very different living situations, very different people. But I would consider both of you to be minimalist just talking to y'all. And so you don't have to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. You can be in the middle figuring out your shit and still be okay. And I think our... Oh, sorry. No. You like took a breath (laughs) and said something. I did. I'm I'm getting my Ujjayi. Let me breathe. I like threw my voice in the microphone really fast. Get it, Megan. (laughs) I was just saying, I think part of like the whole like society... (laughs) (laughs) Like part of the society like... I'm sorry. Now I got the giggles. I do too. But uh, like part of that conditioning, like we're talking about like oh, like the conditioning to like wanting more stuff and things like that. I also think in a way we're conditioned to like automatically like something that's different from your point of view, something that's di- like just different than what you would want. Then automatically it's like, well, I have to justify why mine is right or why mine is better or why mine is. And it's so funny. You're because- right. I'm wrong. And this is why. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Except the other way around. Yeah. I'm right. You're wrong. But I'm right. You're never wrong. Never mind. <laughs> no, but it is. But it is that social conditioning of you. You have to be my way or the highway. You have to be black or white. There can't be a gray area. And if it is gray, people don't like gray because it's a weird color. Is it black? Is it white? Why are there so many different shades of gray? Is there 50 or is there 75? Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) You know, but people don't like gray because what side are you on? I'm not on a side. What do you mean? Like, oh, you're riding the fence. Like, that's like, you're wishy-washy. And then you're like, well, why can't you make up your mind? Why do I have to? I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Maybe I'm not gray. Maybe I'm purple. Yeah. I'm I'm my own thing. It's that, yeah, it's that um, Mm non-conforming attitude, I guess. Mm -hmm. And even to, because yes, we're all very, like, you do you. Absolutely. 100%. That's how I try to live my life. Like, let them do them. It's kind of my life motto. Unless they're still exactly. The fact However, that we're continuing to bring that back. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's come up a few times. However, um, a little bit of more forceful energy, a little bit of tough love, as you will. I do believe that everyone should, in some way, implement minimalist 
tendencies into their life in and some somehow. way, shape, or form. Um, sure. Especially like the documentary, it starts off <laughs> with videos from uh, Black Friday, yeah, and it's so like the those kinds of scenarios to me show some of the worst aspects of humanity yes. of consumerism. greed Absolutely. and consumerism and it's okay so i love that you just said consumerism um because it's been on my mind. so cards against humanity <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if anyone remembers this but they always do like a black friday quote unquote sale and so yes. one year they did it was like they've done a whole bunch of really funny outrageous things but one year it was that they charged more for their deck so it's like it's like it's usually 25 dollars, but for black friday you can get it for 30 dollars. and then has this giant red button in the middle of the screen that says consume and i was like yes that's such a like brilliant simple illustration of it um because people think that oh like i have to show up at walmart at midnight and stand in line to get all these things and fight people for all these things and i remember this one time when i was in high school and I was going with my mom, and this was before I had, like, became anti-Black Friday. Not to, like, judge people who do Black Friday, because that's not the point, but it's just if that... you find fulfillment it's not Black for Friday, me. do it. If it's, it's not for, for me. Um, but I remember... I myself. Yeah. I value my life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I value my shins. Yeah. And so I was waiting in line to get this thing for my sister. I can't even remember what it was now. And there was a, like, 40-some-year-old man, and I'm, like, 16, 17, and he, like, pulls it out of my hands. And I was like, what just happened? And so then a woman, like, shoves her cart into him so that, to, like, make him, like, drop it so I can grab it and leave. And I was like, thanks, lady. But still, like, that whole scenario Mm -hmm. should not have happened. Like, I... It makes me sad more than anything that we're all so obsessed with getting the next big thing. I mean, it was some kind of gadget Isn't it for my even sister. Hilarious that you don't even remember what it was. I do not. Like, yeah. I, that whole experience, true. and you don't even remember what the item was. I can was. like picture it in my head, but I could not tell you what it's called. Um, yeah, and exactly. It's because we just we buy. So let's say you know the new iPhone comes out. There's nothing wrong with the iPhone you have in your hand, but it's not the new one, Jordan. Right. And that's going to be eating at you that it has that one megapixel better camera and like it's just eating so at you true. your filters good, don't look as good because it's eating at you because oh it's the God. new one i mean we we are we're so socially conditioned that you have to have the brand new thing and if you don't have the brand new thing then you're not successful enough to yeah, have the brand new thing so then symbol. you're lesser and it's like oh bullshit yeah. It makes me really grumpy. I get pretty furious <laughs> about it if you can't tell. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to throw out there that like we as a society need to stop. Oh, absolutely. Like, we need to take a chill pill. We need some kind of pivot from the huge mass production, like more is more type mentality because it is one killing our planet. I'm going to get on my soapbox Do <laughs> about it, about our where we live. Like you got to take care of it. Or There's all no we're planet die. B. There's no planet B. Exactly. Um but then also just the way that we, it affects the way we behave. It affects the way we think about ourselves because we think we need this or this to have value to other people. It affects the way that we um, behave around others because we think we have to be viewed a certain way. Um, and also it makes us think that we have to have, because we're going for that status, It's makes us less authentic. Mm-hmm. It makes us think that we have to be this way, have this thing, um, in order to look this way to other people. So I think Megan brought it up earlier about how somebody can look at the white picket fence and go, well, my neighbor's really happy because they have X, Y, and Z. So we need to have X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I think bringing that into something that's really prevalent for all of us as yoga instructors is I posted a post on Instagram. It was a while back. And it is the exact same photo. And it's like, pick labbed or whatever and the top photo says yoga and the bottom photo says not yoga and people looked at it and they were like what the hell Gina it's the same photo I said okay so what do you see I see the same photo okay what do you not see what, what's the difference here between the photos there isn't one it's the same photo no it's not yes it is no it's not yes it is mm-hmm. it was the exact same photo but what you don't see on social media is you don't see behind the white picket fence you don't see behind 
the XYZ. You don't see that they have a child in their basement who's starving because they have a brand new Lexus in the driveway. You don't see that they're miserable working their 10 to 10 shift to be able to pay for the house that they're never home at. You don't get to see all that. You get to see the nice wave, the hi, Megan, from across the driveway. We're going, hi, Stacy. I can't have <laughs> Lexus. I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. We judge off of this perception that we have in our own minds of what we see. And we only see one half. So for yoga instructors, you don't see me falling on my face. You don't see me falling mm-hmm. on my ass. You don't see me falling on my pride every day. I do it daily. You don't see all the blocks that I use, all the props that I use, you know, everything that I do to get to the point to where my wheel now looks the way that it looks. You don't get to see any of that. I had posted on um, the Little Rabbit Apothecary blog about Satya which is the second yama that's um, truthfulness and living your own truth and being authentic, which Jordan brought up. And I made a point in there from an excerpt from a book. I don't remember the book. I really need to find it. Um, Basically saying that there is a million different yous out there. The person that I am to the barista that I order my coffee from three times a week, she sees me as a venti soy London fog tea latte with a scone. That's who I am to her. I'm that lady. I come in three times a week. I get the exact same thing. I sit at the exact same table and I write in my journal. I'm the journal London Fogscone lady to her. <laughs> to my husband, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm his best friend. He has this whole perception of me that's different from my mother, that's different from my sister, that's different from the perception that each of you sitting around this table have from me. You, I, there's a million different me's out there because y'all see me in a different light. The stranger that I pass on the street could think I'm a complete asshat. Because I cut him off because I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. And that might be the only perception he has of me. Am I a complete ass at? I don't know. Ask me on a certain day. Um, <laughs> but the point that I'm getting there is, you know, the person that my husband sees me as is not that person that Barista sees me as. The person you guys see me as is not the person my mom sees me as. But there's only one me. There really is. There's only one. So there's these millions of perceptions of you that are out there. And you have to find out which perception of yourself that you have. Not that everyone else has, Mm. but that you have. And that is your truth. So let everyone else's expectations fall to the wayside and look at your own expectations. What do you expect out of yourself? I like that. What's so interesting about that is all of the different perceptions that people are having of you, all of those come from their own experiences. Yeah, it's from their own eyes, their own experiences, their own viewpoints and so you can see somebody as oh yeah Stacy's so happy because she has this this and this but you're not seeing anything else behind that you know she could be truly happy but you don't know because you only see Stacy five minutes a day when y'all go get your mail you don't know who she is really she's your Stacy neighbor with the white picket fence that gets her mail at two o'clock that's it you don't know her as anything else well kind of bring it back a little bit um some of the if you're interested in a more minimalist lifestyle and you just literally don't know where to start, um, we mentioned a few things here like um, reducing your use of plastic by um, a capsule wardrobe we talked about. And if you are interested in a capsule wardrobe, it um, is really helpful if you look up Project 333. Doing really horrible with the names today because I cannot remember the name of the woman that does it. But it's basically this challenge where you have 33 um, articles of clothing for three months and, um, it's really hard. (laughs) Um, but it is definitely, and even like, you know, you're an adult, you, if you want to change it a little bit and do, (laughs) sorry, hello from Millie. Um, if you want to say you want to do like 50 articles of clothing, like, so you like bring yourself down a little bit again. Um, you can make it your own, just like you make it your own yoga practice. Um, but how her project works is that it's 33 articles of clothing and that's everything. So your tops, your bottoms, your shoes, your jewelry, even, um, I believe the only thing you don't include would be your underwear. So your underwear, your bra, Always um, wear clean underwear guys. Yes. Continue to wear clean underwear. Um, and then like anything that you sleep and or work out in. So like for me, I sleep and or work out in the same kind of clothes. So, um, so those things you don't include, but everything else you're supposed to include. So I've never done a full project three, three, three. It's on my list. And actually maybe like when I finally start really getting That's my true. clothes down yeah. for the bus so probably a good space. yeah good probably a good time, time to, to do that full 332 challenge yeah i'd be curious so. to see how that turns out 
That'd be... I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is one uh, resource that you can definitely check out. Um, of course, The Minimalists, um, they're on Instagram, I think Facebook, and their documentary and their book, Everything That Remains, is super and awesome. And their website so has tons of really great yeah. Yes. Their website has yeah. gr- is a great resource. Um, totally. Yeah, for sure. Definitely check them out there. Um, a couple things that also to make it more of a mindset shift for you to help you as you practice this lifestyle, because it's a practice just like anything else. Um, one thing you might have heard of, like, the Marie Kondo method. Um, I was just about yeah. to say, like, Marie Kondo that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the life-changing magic of tidying up um, is yes. another thing that is definitely good could be helpful for you um but it's looking at something and asking if it brings you joy um and also i would like to add to that because it was from the documentary but looking at something like is this useful and you can define what useful means to you whether it's Mm -hmm. use useful because you think it's pretty whether it's useful because it helps you eat food um completely at your discretion um but is it useful can be um a very helpful little trick to ask yourself when you have something um And then another thing that I found from the documentary that was very helpful for me was the idea of community when it comes to being more minimalistic. minimalistic. Um, For example, um, a woman talked about going to a wedding, and so she's like, oh, I have to buy a new dress. Well, I mean, ask your friends. Like, maybe they have a dress you can buy, and then you don't have to, A, spend that money, and B, have another dress that you're never going to wear hanging in your closet. And that really resonated with me because... um, I tend to do that, not always, but it's like, oh, it's a new wedding. I got to get a dress because there's going to be pictures. I can't have the same dress in the, you know, in other pictures. Um, And so ask your friends and create a community about around it. Um, A good friend of mine named Jenny, she does uh, clothes swaps. So she brings people over to their house. You bring your clothes, you leave with clothes. Um, Anything that you don't want, you take there. And um, of course, always feel free to donate clothes that you don't need to those that need it way more than you do. Just going to call you out right there. Um, because there are definitely people that are going to need those clothes, not, you know, for a survival (laughs) aspect, not just for, uh, the fashion aspect. Um, I think that was mainly the other stuff I had, but did anyone else have other thoughts? And I think bringing up a point you brought up earlier where that lady asked him, well, I really like books. I'm going to have a really hard time getting rid of my books. If you really, really love clothes, then don't do a capsule wardrobe. So true. You know, find what makes you really happy, what fulfills you, what you love. If that's that huge espresso machine sitting on your counter, great. But maybe it's not that copier machine that you used once to send a note to somebody. Chuck it. Donate yeah. it. Get rid of it. At least experiment with it. Yeah, Because you might think like, it. oh, I could never get rid of my clothes. But just, you know, you know. Tip, t- toe the line. Yeah, toe the yeah. line. So my yeah. dog recently ate all my shoes. <laughs> oh no! Of so my you're, shoes. You're forced. Into so that. I was forced. <laughs> I have. I'm not even shitting you guys right now. I have a pair of black high heels that are stilettos. I have my black booties that are sitting over there. They're like three, four inches. They're very cute. I'm really short and I like to wear prostitute heels. And <laughs> I have my pair of tennis shoes. And those are the three pairs of shoes that I have right now. So for me. <laughs> when am I going to wear stiletto heels? When am I going to wear my booties? And when am I going to wear my tennis shoes? I mean, for yoga, I just don't like wearing shoes. So half the time I just throw the tennis shoes in my car. I don't even lace them up. I put them on. And then the minute I get into the studio, I take them off. And what that's done for me is it has forced me to realize how much I love walking barefoot. I love walking barefoot. And I forgot how much I love feeling my feet in the sand and in the dirt and in the grass, which some people, that gives them anxiety. And they're like, oh, the little pebbles in between my toes. I love that. And so for me, I... There's like health benefits. Yeah, and there's health benefits to like grounding to the earth. That's a whole other subject. But for me, it's like really honed home. I really enjoy to be barefoot. I love being barefoot. I enjoy running barefoot and I don't like running, but I enjoy running barefoot. And so I've tried to not wear shoes anymore and only wear shoes when I have to wear shoes. And like, I'm a happier person. And that sounds so stupid that I'm happier for not wearing shoes, but I like legitimately am. So it was something that was forced on me. Thanks, Opie, my big ass Newfoundland. (laughs) But he is quite large. (laughs) He's super big. He's bigger than I am. But it doesn't have to be something that's forced on you. It's something that's a choice. And so maybe it's not that you go home tonight and you box up everything 
maybe it is that you do that. Maybe you just start in your living room. Maybe you try that. Maybe Mm -hmm. after going through your living room, you go to your kitchen. Maybe after your kitchen, you go to your bedroom. Just experimenting of, you know, maybe even just grab a journal, like the gratitude journal, and write down everything you're grateful for and start taking note at the end of the week. What did I not write down? Mm, Really good. If you're not grateful for it, if it's not in your gratitude journal, then maybe you shouldn't have it. Maybe that's something that you should look out of. Why am I not grateful for this thing? And it doesn't have to be something that's super big or super intense. It's just maybe you didn't write down all those books. Maybe you could donate those books to a children's library, to a library, and get yourself a Kindle because you don't actually read as much as you thought you did or you're not actually reading as much as you think you are or you just really don't like to read because you don't have the time. That's a whole other subject as well. But just starting to realize what am I grateful for, what am I not grateful for, and why how do I change that? Maybe I just need to make more time to read, or maybe I'm just not a reader and, and looking at that. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. Uh, and another really easy place to start the first time I watched this documentary was to think of those specific categories, because even though I wanted to box up everything and just be like, it just isn't like that wasn't a practical thing for me to do. And so for me, like clothes, um, you know, like as a teacher, I, I like, I enjoy dressing up. I enjoy, Um, like looking like very professional and so that wasn't something that I would do however I was inspired by watching this to go through my closet to go through my underbed storage where I keep my summer clothing and to be like I haven't worn this forever it was so it was inspiring to just think of a category and um, to figure out where can I eliminate and maybe it's going through your kitchen cabinets um, if you have mixed mixed and matched silverware um, or cups, you know, like I threw out all of the cups that I got for free at, when I was um, in college, you know, that they give out at different events or like banks give out to try to get you to get a credit card or whatever. You know, you take everything for free when you're in college. When you're in college, definitely. And uh, I just still had all of those things. Um, I started getting rid of um, a lot of the things that maybe like family members had donated to me um, as a means to kind of get started. Again, probably from college, but now that um, I like had replaced or had new or had something that was a little more quality, I could get rid of because I had, you know, like seven spatulas or whatever. And so it's just like, think of a category, um, go into a room in your home and think of like, just in a, uh, like for me, lack of a better word, like purging that, that thing, looking at your bookcase and saying, Uh, I had to buy these texts in college. I thought I'd use them for my career, yet I never really have. So um, I can can donate these. I can sell them. I can just give them away. And um, it is liberating in many ways to fill up uh, a trash bag filled of things, filled with things to donate. Um, so yeah, that that's a really easy place to start for those of you who might be listening and thinking, I just, wow, like, I, I don't know how much I could give up. Like I've spent a lot of money or invested a lot of time or I look around and I don't necessarily see how I could live with let like fewer things and just looking through, like opening the drawers of your dresser and finding the t-shirts you don't wear, um, you know, this silverware drawer, the bookcase, starting with one small thing because we are attached to our possessions and um, there are some, like Gina was saying, that, you know, you may find you're very grateful for if you like the gratitude journal approach more than, you know, just looking into one room of your house or whatever. And that's a, that's one really easy way to just start by detaching yourself from some of those things. And I mean, even kitchen cabinets, I find that I'm like, wow, I bought this can of beans like three years ago and here it is, (laughs) you know, just going through those things. I'm not going to eat these black beans from 2004. Yeah. They were originally kidney beans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're like going through the freezer. I mean, I I know that I I buy like maybe a bag of fridges and vegetables and I just, oh, I just never really ate it. And now it's freezer burned, but I'm just like, oh, but I spent money on it. Yeah, we all do that. And so pick something to look through and evaluate and see what you can get rid of. And, you know, maybe don't think of it as a minimalist approach if that's what, if that word scares you. Uh, Think of it as um, like a a housekeeping, a tidying up sort of thing, if that's better. So um, we'll link all of these resources resources we've discussed in the uh, show notes and um, give shout outs to those who uh, we've been inspired from those different people okay 
Well, if uh, sorry, Megan, did you have something to add? I was just gonna throw something out. I saw you breathe. (laughs) We're very in tune with each other's breath (laughs) today. We are. We are. are. (laughs) I was gonna say, um, I believe when this one will be airing, we are going to be doing our first book club book in July. True. So when this one airs, it would be a good time to announce we're going to be. Um, talking about You Are a Badass by oh, sh- Jen, Sincero. Jen Sincero. There it is, Jen Sincero. <laughs> and so, if you would like to start reading that book, so you can kind of either join in on the discussion or kind of have an idea of what we're talking about, we'll be discussing that book in July. So feel free to pick it up at your local library for feeling like being a minimalist. Local. Or right. supporting local. Or being a minimalist or whatever. Um, and follow along with us. For sure. So we would love to hear from you if you are doing anything right now that's minimalistic. If you are curious, if you have any questions for us, um, we are not the world's knowledge, but we are a wealth of knowledge. So we, um, of course, want to help you. If you do have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Um, And if we can't answer them, we'll definitely send you in the right direction of someone who can. But we want to know what you are doing, if you are doing anything minimalistic, if you're curious about it, if you have any questions or if you um, just want a little bit more information that maybe isn't listed. And you can reach out to us via Facebook, uh, Instagram, or our website. Our website is www.flyoveryogispodcast.com. Our email is hello at flyoveryogispodcast.com. And then we're the Flyover Yogis on Instagram and Facebook. We are all over the place. Y'all are going to see our names everywhere. We're taking Um, over the world. We're taking it over. And don't forget to, uh, if you like this podcast or if this is really something that resonated with you today, maybe leave us a review on iTunes, let us know what you think, or share it with a friend and let them know that you got something out of it and you might think that they like it too. Or both. Or both. Yeah. Both is good. All of the above. Do it all. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all we've got today. Thanks for listening. Sorry, Lindsay. We said that at the same time. I'm thankful too. We're just all in tune today. (laughs) (laughs) Namaste. Namaste.